Welcome to the Back of My Feet podcast, the how-to manual for single parents. Mudhani Omuhango candidly considers the plight of single parenthood while masterfully weaving personal experience with research and with the encounters of others in order to shine a light of hope for single moms and dads. She brings a beautiful blend of spiritual and psychosocial counsel, formidable keys in breaking free from the enemy's hold in various aspects of life, all while keeping it real. As a single parent, you do not have to walk alone. Find a community of sisterhood or brotherhood to belong to as you walk through the different seasons of your life. To find all the program modules, log in to www.mudhoniomuhango.kenyaclc.org. This podcast is sponsored by CLC Kenya, a Christian missions organization that uses literature to impact lives for Jesus Christ. For more information, go to www.kenyaclc.org. Karibu sana. Um, this is uh, back on my feet, the how-to manual for single parents. Uh, this module is how to prepare yourself, children, spouse to be for marriage or remarriage. It's a good module uh, for single people uh, who want to get into marriage or who are in the season of marriage. But it's also a good module for single parents uh, who have never gotten married before or who have been married before and would want to get married again. We've already uh, discussed um, the reasons why someone would be a single parent at this time. Uh, and you can get more from my website, which is www.modonyomuhango.kenyaclc.org, and you will find back on my feet. This is the third week. We've already done introduction in the first week. Then uh, last week, we looked at how to be a model uh, to your child. And uh, this week, we'll be looking at um, understanding marriage, God's original intention, and um, some of the myths that uh, we've had about marriage. When we have knowledge, we are empowered, and we are at a better place for us to be able to um, you know, get into marriage the right way. Um, and I totally believe that uh, this is a very good stage to be at that you get empowered before uh, you get married. It will give you a very good foundation because then you're getting into it the right way, the right foundation, um, and, and that gives you uh, gives your marriage a chance to be able to survive this. We have so much um, you know, news in, in our communities, in our society of um, you know, marriages are not working and the reasons why they're not working. But the truth is, there are so many other marriages that are working. And so if you get into it uh, the right way, then uh, you'll be able to, um, you know, be at a better platform to be able to have a very enjoyable marriage. All right. So today we're looking at understanding uh, marriage. And um, we are privileged to have Dr. Sami Gitari, um, who I have known. Uh, let me do a brief introduction. So Bishop Dr. Sami Gitari is a man of many hearts, a husband, a father, a pastor, an author, a friend to many, a man of vision and passion for transformation of mankind through preaching and teaching the word of God. And I'm very happy about that because the foundation of everything we do has to really be the word of God. And so we are very privileged to have um, Dr. Sami because then we can base our conversations 
of God's uh, plan, the manual, the Bible. Dr. Sami has been in the preaching ministry for 43 years. He's the founder and presiding bishop of Gospel Celebration Church, a leading church planting ministry with many churches in Kenya. Dr. Gitari has taught and trained leaders for the work of ministry in many uh, forums, including Desta University. Uh, he's also been at International Leadership uh, University, ILU, in pursuit of building strong families. Dr. Gitari holds marriage and family enrichment seminars, and he also runs a weekly uh, television program called The Solid Family for the purpose of enriching and strengthening Christian families. He has uh, produced several books uh, to support the family, uh, including Keys to a Great Marriage, Resolving Conflict in Marriage, and The Pathway to Marriage. The Pathway to Marriage, I've read cover to cover. It's an amazing book, and also the other books are very, very good. He has been married to Rose for 36 years, so I'm hoping to we will hear a little bit about that. How does it how does someone get it to 36 years? <laughs> That's almost my entire life that they've been married. And uh, it's good to hear from people who have gone ahead of us. I'm very uh, keen on uh, older people, uh, mentoring younger people. Um, the Bible says, um, I think in Timothy, it says, uh, let the older men teach the younger men. Let the older women teach the younger women. And I think that's the disconnect we have in our society today. We need to come to a place where we can sit and hear from people who have gone ahead of us, not just in marriage, in just almost everything, uh, every area of our lives. But for now, we're talking about marriage. And so we'll be privileged to be able to hear from someone who has um, um, been married for 36 years. And together they have two grown-up children, uh, Timothy and uh, Grace. If you'd want to know more about uh, Bishop, uh, he has a website, www.gitari.com. Karibu sana, Bishop. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I think this is a very special occasion for me. Um, I get very thrilled when I find people who want to build families. And... Um, I have been passionate about this for my entire life. I, I, when I got born again, 1977, I landed on Billy Graham through a book called The Christian Marriage, a small thing that I could lean in about 20 minutes. And it started making me interested with marriage matters. And then I started leading others. And uh, I am a, I'm a wine leader on the subject. Now, let's talk about marriage. We need to understand it for us to move forward. Now, marriage is not something you find only in some places. Marriage is, uh, is universal. In the, the simple people, the sophisticated people, the rich, the poor, the educated, uh, all kinds of people, you will find uh, marriage. And it's good for us to know that uh, this, this thing happens everywhere. And uh, some educated people are good at it. Some very uneducated people are very good at it. I want to say this in the beginning. My biggest teacher on marriage was my father. And my father is, was, my late father was really semi-educated. He went to standard one, one term, and standard two, one term, and that was it. So he could write his name and count his money. That's all he did. 
But when I was 11, my dad took me aside and he gave me a very, very thorough sex education in particular. And he told me, son, I want you to be free from things that destroy people. And he talked to me about STDs and how to get them. Now, but the way my father did it was so shocking. I hated getting involved in that kind of a thing then and today. He told me about uh, stories about Burma and how Kenyan soldiers went there and slept with Burma girls and got Severus and uh, gonorrhea and, uh, and the way they were treated those days without the modern medicine involved quizzing us out of their private parts. And uh, I could even see in my imagination nation. Man, pain as uh, this thing is being squeezed. As, uh, at 11, I got very curious and I said, how did they get it? How can I never get it? And that was my first lesson on sex education. And of course, because of that, we went along with life all the way. He told me, by the way, you do not have to sleep with a woman before you get married. I never did it. That's what he told me. I never did it. And you can. Now, my father was not born again. He was just a good father. And uh, because of that, when I came to teenage, it was my example still. Young people tell me, if I don't use my equipment, they'll get rusty. So go and ask dad, will my equipment get, equipment get rusty if I don't use it? You say nonsense. And, uh, you know, and as I kept on everything, we always talked about being free. Now, my uneducated father was such a good teacher on marriage until uh, when I grew up, I still had an example of how to learn at home. Anyway, that's where they began for me. Let's move on uh, from the universality of marriage and talk about uh, in life, you will find that uh, there are so many types. In this country, for example, we are familiar with four. One of them is customary marriage that is very common which follows customs and maybe also uh, agreements that are either acceptable or not, but usually customs. Then there is civil marriages, which follows and is governed by the laws of the land and people do them. Then there is African Christian marriage. That is the one we practice in Kenya in church. This follows a combination of customary laws and practices with Christian practices. And usually, uh, when the conflict comes between the customary and the Christian practices, we take the church route. But then there is a spiritual or holy marriage or holy matrimony. This is for two believers in Jesus Christ, and it follows biblical teaching. Now, what's the difference between African Christian marriage and the last one? You will find the two practices in the church. There are many people who go to church and not, and they are nominal Christians. And they also can, they also do marriages. But the godly way would be to follow the spiritual, the holy marriage. Now, some churches call a holy marriage or a spiritual marriage based on whether the two people are slept together or not. I don't think it is about sex. It is bigger than that. It is about two people who are committed to Jesus and following him, not just about sexually chaste people. So that's, that's, the, that's the difference. Well, I think the best thing is to move on because we have a, a, long, a long journey to go.
and ask ourselves, so what is marriage? You know, what is marriage? When we say marriage, and we have talked about all those, what do we mean by marriage? Now, there are two ways of looking at marriage. One of them is general, it's very simple. Is a legally or formally recognized union between a man and a woman. Now, uh, I don't want to go the modern way where people are calling anything marriage, uh, but the, the normal conservative marriage is a legal or form, formally recognized union between a man and a woman. Now, what about Christian marriage? Christian marriage is a, is a solemn and public covenant between a man and a woman in the presence of God. Now, the Christian marriage brings a third component. There is the man, there is the woman, there is the covenant, and this covenant is made in the presence of God. It's not just a legal document that two people sign. It's two people come in the presence of God and they are making a covenant that is sealed in the presence of God and in the public. And, and I think this is very important we get it right, because in our times I found people make it very trivial. Uh, just people meet together and decide oh, we'll get married, and that's easy. But uh, it is more serious than that. It is a covenant between two people, a man, and a woman before God, and uh, that is more than a legal agreement. We need to make a small disclaimer here. What is a home? Because marriage is not a home, and there are people who have a home they go to, and they call that uh, a marriage. A house is not, it's not, a, it's not a family, nor is it a home also. It's possible to have a house that you have two people living in, and uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a family, it's not a home. A home is the residence where the family lives, is the place of residence of the family. So that makes us ask the next question. So what is a family there? We described marriage. What about family? What is family? And, uh, uh, but before we discuss a godly family, we need to ask about a, a godly home. A godly home, that is where the, 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 the family lives, is where Christ is acknowledged as hand of the home. And this is important in our times because many people do things culturally, socially, and ignore God. Jesus talked about two people, one foolish man, one wise man, and the foolish one built on sand, the wise one built on solid rock, and that solid lock built building within the test of time. I need to say here, every house will be tested. Every marriage will be tested. It is going to matter what you are building it on. Are you building it on the word of God or are you building it on other things? Anyway, it is a place where biblical principles are also applied. Because there are many ways of doing things, but the biblical one is the key thing. Now, the world has taught us all the years that a successful marriage is built on love. That is not true. Just because you love 
does not mean you can have a successful marriage. And that's why we have a confusion today because we are people who are divorcing. And you ask them why? You ask the woman, do you love the man? Yeah, but why are you leaving him? You ask them, the, the other one, the same. They love, but they are not able to move together. We need biblical principles. And the key biblical principle here, and you can read for yourself, Proverbs 24, verses 3. And it says, uh, a house, a successful house, is built on wisdom and understanding. Where we get knowledge, and then we get comprehension, and we apply that, that becomes wisdom, that's where to build a strong family. I've been married for 36 years, and I can say this without any fear, that I don't always feel like I'm the most loving person, but I know what to do when I have good feelings and when I have terrible feelings. I know what to do when she cooks good food and when she refuses to cook. And I know what to do when I am happy and when I'm unhappy. But the point is this, you need to have knowledge and comprehension and then have wisdom. Have, be able to apply that to your life. Now, then also it is a place where the, worship, the family worships together. That makes a godly home. And what I mean is this, there must be some devotions. Um, and then the, the family should be able to attend the church. The children are trained in the fear of God. This is a godly home. What is now, what is family? It's simple. A family is, for, is formed of a husband, a wife, and children living together. Very simple. Husband, wife, and children living together. They can include extended family as well. That's why we can have several people in a homestead that we call it family. For example, there's Gitari's family, which is a nuclear one. But there is Nyaga's family, who is my father. And that's larger because they bring my brothers in. And now my brothers have their wives and children. We are larger family. Now, but also, it could be a couple plus their children. That's one way. But it could also be a single parent. The, the key thing is the family is not a house. The family is not uh, other things, but it's a place where formed that way. Now, to understand the marriage, which we are doing today, we have to go back to the source. By the way, if you read in Matthew chapter 19, from verses 1 to about 9, Jesus is confronted about issues concerning marriage, and he points the people to the beginning. He says, from the beginning, it was not so. And he took them to creation, the creation event found in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. That's where marriage began. You find it there, that uh, the man was created alone, and then he was given a job to do. And as he was working, because work is not a result of the fall, work is a, is a part of God's plan. So as the man was working, God looked at the man and he says, very special words here. It is bad for man to be alone. Then he went ahead and developed a woman and he brought her to him. And the man made his first marriage vows. He said, now. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And God loved that. And the Bible says, one 
could God hand those vows made by the man? He blessed that marriage. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and have dominion over it. That was a great blessing. That's why we should bless people that way also, so that they can grow and become big. The manufacturer of marriage is God. And we need to go to him to find what is this that he brought? What was his intention? Because between that day and today, a lot of things have happened, some good, some very bad. And it's very possible to find what we are calling marriage has nothing to do with what God intended. So from this, we can tell God is the source of marriage and the family. It is him who said it is not good. It is him who created the man. It is him who created the woman. And he did not create, also create them. He created them so different, yet so interconnected. Culture and modern, modern trends and experiences are very poor source of information on building a marriage. Now, some people spend their life leading what people say and wanting to be like other people. But I want to say here, that's a poor way to go. By the way, I come from Meru, that I can need to be specific. And uh, our culture is very much for pro-family, but there are things that cannot be acceptable for making a good home. I am a leader of modern trends, and modern trends also go way off. And that's why people come to marriage today, tomorrow they are out, and because those are poor places. So you can have a bad example, you can have a bad experience. Don't use bad or good experiences to be the source of your living information. Get to the source, which is God. And by the way, we may need to have uh, to reset ourselves to the manufacturer's uh, design because that guarantees the results of the manufacturer's product. And marriage is God's product. If we go his way, I guarantee you we will enjoy it. But let's talk about the nature of the marriage that God intended and he made. What was the nature of that marriage? How is it supposed to look like? The nature of marriage is spelled in those two books of the Bible that we have learned, we have said already. Genesis 1 and then 221 is where God blessed them. And then the 22, 221, to 22 is again where the creation of the woman and the bringing to man is found. Now, let's look closely at what that, what that entails. What is that, those scriptures, what are they saying? Marriage has two particular natures, two basic. Number one, it is heterosexual. Hmm. Let's begin there. It is heterosexual. And uh, we, we need to be clear about this. God created a man that is male and a female. The woman was specifically made very different from man so that each could fulfill their roles in marriage. This is important. God intended marriage to be heterosexual, not the same sex, not male and, not male, and male or female and female, but a man and a woman. All other forms of marital relations in the Bible throughout from Genesis to Revelation 
are condemned as perversions and as sins. You can read Hebrews 13, 4. It says marriage bed should be respected that those who uh, do other things will be judged. Romans has a long story of people who engage in a sexual activity that is unnatural, sinful, a saint, God-created and heterosexual marriage. Number two, he created a monogamous marriage. God's intention was one man, one woman in an exclusive relationship. Coming from where I told you I come from, polygamy is very normal. My grandfather had five wives, and my grandmother was the last one. And uh, that, that is normal in our media. One of my cousins has, I think, three wives. It's, 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 it's customarily acceptable. Biblically, we need to know. God made a statement when he created. If you go through the Bible and you find where you have uh, polygamy, it is a story, not an example to emulate, but an example not to follow. Not every example in the Bible is for us to copy. Some of them are just warnings. If you go this way, you will regret. If you go this way, you will enjoy it. So God's intention was one man, one woman, and the relationship is exclusive. Once you get married, you stop seeing beautiful girls. You stop seeing handsome men. Of course you will see them. The point is, the chapter is closed when you get married. That was, those are the two things that I say are key in the nature of the marriage God created. But let's move to purpose. Why did God do this thing? Why has God given us marriage? What is its purpose? In other words, why must I get married? If you are single, I am coming now. If you if you're married, let's make it right. So why? Number one is companionship. Adam was not even aware that he needs a wife. God created Adam, gave him a job to do, and he was busy in the job. God looked at him and he said, mm, this is not good. Then he Give him alternatives. He gave him animals. He just gave the animals names. The Bible says God looked at it and says there was no suitable helper found because animals and the property and the things cannot take the place of a spouse. So God's answer to the need was it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. Please notice nothing that marriage can sort this out. Nothing. For Adam, no suitable helper was found. Things don't. Cars don't. Money does not. Oh, I've had somebody claim, I have given my wife everything. What else is he looking for? And she retorted, what has he given me? I could not be given by my father. I did not need his things. I needed him. I've had men, women complain about it. They say, I've given him all the children he wanted. What else is he looking for? Hey, men were not looking for children. What they needed was a companion, a help meet, suitable. Man, man, man needed a helper. One who could accompany him, protect him, support him, and assist him. The wife does that very well. By the way, I, I think that uh, 
what goes for the man, women get it the same way. When God is, it's not good for man to be alone. That's a generic one. It's not good for a woman to be alone also. And woman also means someone who can support her and help her and so forth. So women come in, they are helpful to men, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and intellectually. And that's exactly how we are to each other. So the next thing was to complete man, completing man and woman. <laughs> it is not good for man to be alone. This is not referring to a defect. Man was not defective. Man was complete, but he was a complete half. Sometimes I got two a very nice pair of shoes. And my neighbors, dogs, small puppies came in and they carried one of the shoes. I was left with a really expensive, good shoe, but only the one and the puppies destroyed the other half. I couldn't use that good shoe. Although it was complete for one leg, it was incomplete because to complete shoes, you needed the two of them. And I think that's what God did. He created man and woman to make one. And one is half, the other one is the other half, now, each half is complete. You can live a full life without a marriage, but you're going to live a full life of half of the life that you could have done. But the next thing is created marriage for production of children. Children needs to be born and raised in families. And the Bible, by the way, this is my one. I've always said this. The Bible is more for family planting than planning. Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, Children are gifted from God. There is reward. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. God is seeking godly offspring from marriage. All those is God is for family planting. By the way, I want to encourage those of you who don't have children, have some. But before you get them, get married. Don't get a few. Have several. Don't ask me why I have two. I had three. I lost one. But if I had, if it was my my will, I would like to have at least three more. There's nothing wrong with having children. It will not make you broke. Anyway, for, for, for producing children. And the next purpose of marriage is to model Christ's relationship with the church. If you read Ephesians 5, verses 22 to actually to the end, you'll find how marriage models the church and Christ. He says, husbands love like Christ loved. Wives submit like the church submits. It, it's, a, it's a mirror. In the Old Testament, marriage again is, an, is a picture of God's wife, Israel, and God the Father. Marriage is a picture, is a reflection of this relationship. That's why he wanted it. It was to have a graphic representation or illustration of the love God has for humanity. Very important. I think finally, to provide for sex. Now, sex is the three-letter word that many people are uncomfortable mentioning. I remember when I first spoke about it in my marriage seminars, 1989, when I did the first marriage seminar, and I and I spoke about sex. I, I had a whole section on sex. Oh my goodness, I saw the pastors close their eyes and the women put their hands on their mouths and they said, he is speaking about it in the church. Now, wait a minute. If God put it in the holy book, why can't we speak about it ourselves? Why should we be ashamed of talking what God is not ashamed writing about? Anyway, where sex is abused, it brings a lot of pain to people and society. But when it is used properly, it brings happiness, 
It brings stability. It brings prosperity to the people. But the sexual activity itself can only function properly in the exclusive male-female marriage union. That's all, period. Uh, that's when the Bible says the two become one fresh. You can't be becoming one fresh with everybody. So it needs to have a place. There are three purposes of sex. One is to produce children. Two is for pressure. The thrill and enjoyment of sex for both men and women is God intended. I mean, God intended sex for pressure, not just for producing. That's why you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it talks about not depriving one another and so forth. It is not talking of producing children every day. But also, it is for prevention of immorality. That's important also. Where, where marriage is weak, a lot of immorality goes on, and we should not go there. Well, thank you so much. God bless you. Excellent. Thank you very much. I have learned a lot, and um, I'm very privileged uh, to have been part of this conversation. I would want to take a few uh, questions, and then we can get some answers. Uh, let me check. Um, I have learned that getting knowledge is important. It's good to have the purpose for marriage in the right order, top to bottom, instead of what the world is teaching us. Okay, let me see this uh, top to bottom. So the first one was uh, so the first one was companionship, and the last one was, um, of course, to provide for sex. So yes, yeah, so this generation wants to start with provide for sex and then move up instead of the other way around, right? It doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't work when you go that way. Uh, I, wait, I need to say this, especially for the girls, anything that you have that is natural, if you, if you are careless about it and allow people to know too much of it, at the end of the day, it loses value within the first one, one or two months. If you think your beauty is something and you expose it, you lose it. If you think sex is what you can give after you've given it, it is worthless. Don't go that route. Excellent. I've noted that love is not the only important factor in marriage, that a greater foundation is important. My question is, what is the role of a woman in preparing for marriage? And Dr. Sami, I will allow you to answer that. I think the first, the first thing to do is to become Decide, think about it. If you got married, what are you getting into? So you need to understand what marriage is and then what you're going to do into it when you get into it so that you don't just find yourself entering marriage and you are confused the first day. What are you getting into? Then the other thing is uh, prepare in terms of your spirit, your physical body. Number one, I think marriage should be for two mature people. So you need to prepare your mind intellectually, uh, economically, emotionally, be able to make personal decisions, to stand on your ground, build your faith because you will need it, develop your character because your character is going to be critical in your progress in life. So whether male or female, we need those things. Prepare yourself economically, prepare yourself intellectually, prepare yourself emotionally, and uh, prepare, make sure your character is tight and good because that is what will hold much more 
than what people bring into your life. Excellent. Um, and I, I look forward to just, um, you know, getting into more depth. And, and one of the myths um, uh, that I've actually interacted with is, um, for example, when um, a, a, a lady or, you know, a young, a young lady says that, you know, I want a man with money. And that becomes a very flimsy because uh, what happens when you get into marriage and the man loses the money or loses the job and so he does not have money. So that's the end of the marriage. And then for someone else, uh, a young man or a man who say, you know, I want a woman with, you know, this kind of shape and, and all those things. What happens, I, and even I saw um, Dr. Sami's photo and um, I can see you're very slender in 19... <laughs> it was 19 what? 1989? 1984. 1984. Yeah. And, and this happens a lot. So if you're, if you're a man and you're going to um, marry a lady because of the figure, then they get you know three children or five children or two children, and then that figure disappears because you 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 can't predict how your body is going to react. That will be and the also, end of the also, And also, most women you get married to a man and disfigure him. Yes, <laughs> because of the cooking. <laughs> yeah. So I think what I can say is that um, uh, you you have to prepare yourself more in terms of character and in terms of purpose because then you're coming into marriage so that you can complete each other or you can complement each other. And so for you as a, as a young uh, lady, you need to work on yourself so that you know what it is that God created you for. I, I realize that, Mudon, uh, I realize most young people don't pick the things I was speaking about. They pick those other things, money, size, color, and so forth. But when we got married, we were really two poor fellows. We were just uh, finishing our university and uh, we could not afford a bed when we got married. We bought a mattress. That's where we began. But we have an excellent life. Excellent. I liked the analogy of the two shoes complete by themselves, but complementing each other. I'm not engaged, but I feel like these sessions are like going to driving school when you don't have a car yet. That there are two types of medicine. One is for curing. The other one is for prevention. I think this could be very preventative medicine, even when you have no sickness. Is it true that marriage affects a woman's career more than it affects a man's career? Well, I think, I think yes, we, marriage comes with, uh, with uh, consequences, with responsibilities for both men and women. I think what is important is that uh, before you jump into it, discuss it with your future husband. Don't just get married to the fellow who comes easiest. And uh, let uh, both of you agree on what is your career path going to be like. Are you going to do this now and another thing another time? Or, I mean, you, you have to make decisions. What I find a problem is when people ignore talking about serious matters before they get married. Then they get married and they have expectations. And then they are very confused and in trouble. So uh, I think that your career may not be changed, but you may need to make 
concessions. All of us, by the way, let me say it. Women think it's only women, even men. When I got married, I wanted, I got a scholarship to do a PhD in USA uh, for five years. And, uh, but they included only me, not my family. And I, I declined because I am a family man and I want to stay with my children and see them grow. And uh, my friend says that is foolish. But you know what? I look back and I say, I missed the money. My children grew with a father and we were able to make them who they need to be. So all of us will have challenges. So career, you can be challenged. None, all of us will make changes. So discuss it and agree which path you will every one of us gets an effect. That is very true. Nowadays, you can get independent people who can offer a comprehensive premarital counseling because some of the things that break marriages, and, and nowadays you have so many marriages breaking after one year, two years, you're thinking, no, some things were not discussed in good time. And so even just letting maybe your fiancé know that, you know, uh, when we get married and we have kids, what will happen? Do you want to go back to work after? Because some, some people get married and the man is thinking, I want my wife to stay home after we start having babies and you know be a homemaker. And on your side, you're thinking, uh, immediately the baby has uh, I've started winning the baby. I want to go back to work because I want to be a career woman and I would want to advance my career. And so when you discuss that after you've already gotten pregnant, the baby is already here, then you just create a platform uh, for conflict. But if you do a comprehensive uh, premarital counseling, then the counselor is able to take you through um, to be able to discuss some of these things. You know, some, some marriages are broken because the woman is like, I don't want to have children. And the man, man wants to have five children. Then you are already now married. And this is the time you guys now are trying to discuss and say, I don't want to have kids. I want to have five kids. And so you find it becomes, nowadays they are calling them irreconcilable issues. Those irreconcilable issues should be tackled at this particular time when you're already in a relationship so that you can be able to agree, this is what we want to do. And this is what will happen. Uh, even like what uh, Dr. Sami has said, um, even discussing if an opportunity came uh, and you know, um, you have to go to Canada for five years and you know, I will provide for the family, it's good money. What will happen to that? Will you only accept opportunities that will allow the two of you to go? Or are you comfortable with one of you going and the other one remaining? So these are things that should be discussed from the point where you're uh, dating or courting so that you get into marriage when you already have agreed on certain things. So it's just what the two of you will agree, but please discuss these things before you get into marriage. Yes, yes, please. Everything you fear discussing so that you don't lose the fellow is going to be a commitment that you pay for. So even painful things ought to be discussed before you get married. Now, that does not mean you will know everything before you get married. There are things that you realize on the way. But the ones that are knowable, deal with them before you get here. Yes. You know, it's all just, just make sure you discuss everything. If you have a loan with help, this will be a good time to tell them uh, help are looking for you. 
and you owe them 500,000 <laughs> for the loan they gave you in university so that you don't get into you know marriage and then the guy just discovers oh we have a liability of 1 million you know so just whatever is whatever you can think of right now the two of you needs uh, need to discuss so that you are agreeable and you're on the same it's better to discuss and agree now and and even if if it doesn't go through it is better for you to know now and so you know that uh, the two of you cannot get married than get married you have three children this is the time now you're saying no we cannot move forward their kids in in place to think about so discuss as much as you want um discuss your dreams your aspirations and see whether these are things that you will be able to support each other on and now our concluding prayer and so i wanted to share the prayer from uh, james 1 5 up to 8 and the prayer I have for us is that, Lord, you have told us if any one of us lacks wisdom to guide us through a decision or a circumstance, we are to ask of our benevolent uh, God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to us. So our prayer today, tonight, is that, Lord, guide us in this season and in the next season of marriage as well. Then it continues, James 1, 5 to 8 continues to say, you have told us we must ask for wisdom in faith. That means we believe that God is going to supply for us. And so um, <clears throat> we must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help us. For the one who doubts is like a billowing sand of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or designs. And so our prayer tonight is that we believe in we believe in you, Lord, so guide us. And so to tell us that as you're going through this season, uh, whether you're in a relationship or not, or whether you're believing uh, God to be able to get you into that season, let's ask God for wisdom. And he says he's going to give it to us. And we should not be double-minded. We must believe, we must ask in faith, and we know that God is going to give us. That's the prayer for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. Sami, your closing remarks, and then we will be good to uh, close. I, I just wanted to ask a question again. You said this is your, your, your which, what, how many years anniversary? Ten. Ten. Congratulations for ten years anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. You live to celebrate another... 10 and 10 and 10. Amen. Amen. My, my, my uncle is almost 100. Wow. And he's still strong. <laughs> Amen. Today, today, I'm celebrating a friend of mine, George and Winnie, who have been married for 68 years. Wow. So I am looking forward to 68. I am only 36. And you have done 10. You will do 36 and 68. Uh, it is possible. It is doable. May God give you wisdom to navigate all of it. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I'm so honored to have your time that you would do this together. I pray that I will be able to see you again next week. Uh, we'll be discussing okay. how to prepare yourself. And so this is where we will go into depth. What does it mean to prepare for marriage as a man? How, what does it mean to prepare for marriage as a woman? 
and the things that you need to put in place, talking about purpose, talking about uh, developing yourself. And so I look forward to next week and I'm very honored to have your time.